welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Hello, hello. Welcome to Gateway Church. We're so glad that you are here with us today. I want to welcome our Gateway family watching with us online, and also the Magnolia location. Let's put our hands together and welcome them. It's good to see everyone today. Uh, I know I've been out for a couple of weeks, and I want to say thank you very much for your grace. Thank you for your prayers. For those that don't know, I've been working through a hemorrhagic polyp on my left vocal cord, and so there was bleeding, but I'm very grateful that the bleeding has stopped, which is phenomenal news. There's still the polyp that's there, but we're working with the ENT about next steps and what that looks like. But I learned a lot while I was on vocal rest and not able to talk for a few days. One of the things I learned is that my family and I are not good at charades at all. They could not figure out a single thing I was motioning, whether I was clapping my hands, snapping, whatever it was, to get their attention. But I also realized it was just funny as I would go out and about because I would put Uh, What I wanted to say in like a note and show people on my phone as I was out in public and they look at it and they would pull out their phone and take a note too to try to show it to me. I'm like, no, I can hear you. I just can't talk to you. So there's a little bit of a difference there. And then Elaine and I, she was like, hey, we need to go out on a date. I was like, well, I can't talk. She was like, that sounds like the perfect date to me. So I pretty much just listened the whole entire time. But I'm very grateful that the strength is beginning to return, and in a couple of weeks, I'll be here and I'll be starting a new series called Legacy, really talking about what it means to live impactful lives and leave something that makes a difference in this world. And during that time, we'll actually do a Heart for the Kingdom offering, and this is an end-of-the-year offering that's about building the kingdom and expanding what God is doing here. And at Gateway Church, all I'm asking to do over the next few weeks, especially if this is the place that you call home, I would like for everyone to be a part uh, to advance the kingdom of God is just pray. Take the time to hear, believe, and obey God and just simply do what he says. And I know it's going to be a powerful time as we end the year strong. But I also want to say thankful. I'm very thankful for every single person that spoke over the last few weeks and gave life-giving messages from Pastor Welby, Pastor Joachim. They did a phenomenal job. And also Pastor Elaine, who is my favorite person in the world, has done a phenomenal job as well. And she is actually the one who is sharing today. So let's put our hands together and give it up for Pastor Elaine as she comes and speaks. Love y'all. I told him he had to say I was his favorite. So I cued him, you know. But isn't it great to hear his voice? I mean, I know it means a lot to me, but it was so awesome that he's even able to just say hello to you. I can't wait for him to preach. The Lord's been doing a lot and just giving him a lot of words, but he's right. We were terrible at charades and to don't invite us to a party because we will lose unless that's why you're inviting us, but then we won't play because we're winners. So, um, 
But really, this thank you as a wife, like I am so grateful that we have a church family that rallies around us and prays for our family. Even, I know many of you pray for us daily, not even knowing our specific requests. And so thank you for that. We really do appreciate it. I also wanna say happy Thanksgiving. I know it's the weekend before Thanksgiving, but this is the time of year where we get to stop and we get to tell you how much we're grateful for things. And hopefully you're expressing gratitude to those around you. But I want you to know from the bottom of Ethan and I's heart how much we love you. We're grateful for you. We are so honored to be your pastors and to be in this journey of just advancing the kingdom of God together. And so I hope you know how much we love you and pray for you consistently and just are so grateful for y'all. So happy Thanksgiving. We pray it's an incredible Thanksgiving for you. And as you prepare for Thanksgiving, I thought I would tell you a funny story about our family around Thanksgiving. My cousin grew up in a small town in West Texas. And so he was the quarterback of his football team, and they had just won a very crucial game in their season. And so the coach took the entire team out for pizza afterward. And so he looked at my cousin once the pizza arrived. He said, hey, why don't you stand up and give thanks? Well, he had never heard that word before or that phrase. And so he stood up and he said, well, I guess I'd like to thank the defensive line. And I'd like to thank my mom and dad. And he just started thanking everyone. The coach was like, no, stop. I meant pray. So if this week you are around the table and somebody says, would you give thanks? They mean to pray. That's all they mean. But if you were to give a thanks, I hope you give thanks to your church family, your pastors, you know, all the things. But really, we just know that go ahead and pray and pray quickly because they want to eat. Anywho, uh, we are, I'm going to do an off-topic message today about a topic that, a word that is thrown out a lot during this time of year, being around the holidays and different things. We hear this word, joy, quite often. And so I have been hearing this word joy, and I have wanted to kind of dive into this. Most, not most, a lot of my friends that I have been in conversations with, whether it's parents at my kid's school or people that I work with or just people that I've come into contact with, I have heard that there are several people that are holding joy and grief in the same sentence. And when I realized that, I I didn't always have the words to express in these moments where I'm hearing about different things going on. And so I did what I know to do, which is when I don't know what to do, I turn to the word of God. And I was like, God, I need you to help me define joy. I need you to give me what joy is and how we're supposed to walk it out. And here's what I've come to learn. Joy is not an emotion. It is actually a state of being because of the result of our choices. Joy is the state of being due to the result of your choices. Rick Warren, who is a fam- or he's a well-known pastor, an amazing Bible teacher, he has walked through both grief and joy, and he defines joy this way. He says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. So I wanna talk about joy today, and there are three things I wanna tell you about joy. The first thing is joy is found in relationship. Joy is found in relationship. Here's what it says in Psalms 2, verse 12. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. Psalms 34, 5. Those who look to him for help will be radiant 
with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their face. So where does joy come from? Well, for those who look to him, they will be radiant with joy. Joy comes from relationship with him. It is being in connection or in relationship with God where we find that state of being of joy. It says they will be radiant with joy. It is a state of being. Ethan and I have a favorite restaurant here in the Katy area. It's a chain restaurant. You'll all know it. It's called Cheesecake Factory. Um, we love this restaurant and we love the bread. The food is okay, but the bread is just right on point, you know? So that's what we go there for. And we have this waitress that we have had several times in a row. And after a couple of times, she finally, she knew us really well. She, I mean, she knew our order. She knew that I drank Dr. Pepper and, you know, and ate bread and that's about it. And so it's real healthy. I know. Don't judge me. Anywho, she finally asked us, hey, what do y'all do? And we were like, oh, well, actually we're pastors here in the area. She goes, I knew it. There was just something different about you guys. She then told us about the church plant that she's a part of in downtown Houston that's doing an incredible work. And all of a sudden now, our spirits were just like connected. We had like this thing in common where we love the Lord. But can I ask, how did she know that we were pastors? Or better yet, how did she know that we were Christians? It really didn't matter our title, just as much that we carried something different. Why? Because there was this attribute that was on us. It was a state of being that was on us because of our relationship with God. See, the world should be able to look at us and see that there is an attribute on us. There's a characteristic on us. There is a state of being on us that is joyous because of who we are in relationship with. That is where joy comes from. It comes from being in relationship with those around us. See, joy is actually the fruit of a relationship. Here's what Galatians 5 verse 22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The fruit of the Spirit is produced out of relationship. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It is something that is produced in us because of the relationship we are in. I have come to learn that there is not a fruit that can grow or be developed without first being connected to a root. It has to be connected to a source so that it can grow and be developed. So when it comes to you and I, what could we or what do we need to be connected to so that we can develop and grow? Well, if you're ahead of me, then you already know that in John 15, verse five, Jesus says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, but from apart from me, you can do no thing. So the bottom line is that we have to understand is that joy comes because we are in relationship with God. We are connected to him. When I started studying joy, I found out that David wrote about joy quite often. Several of the Psalms, he is talking about a joy that he has found in God. And in one of the Psalms, it's in Psalms 51, he is actually praying and he's asking God to restore joy to him. Here's what it says in verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. So David is praying, God, would you restore the joy that I have lost? Well, why did he lose it? If you don't know much about David's life, in this moment when he's writing this prayer, he had just been caught in sin with Bathsheba. 
And so all of a sudden, sin has caused him to have a great divide between him and God. And he's praying, God, would you bring me back into relationship with you? Would you restore the joy of my salvation? Why? Because here's what you have to understand, that you have to be in relationship with God. And anytime there is sin, it actually breaks the intimacy between you and God. It actually puts a a wall, so to say, a barrier between you and God. And he comes and he repents. If you know this about David's story, why did he repent? Well, because he had a friend named Nathan. And Nathan came to him and he told him a story and Nathan actually called him up to a better way of living because he called his sin into the light. Why was that? Why did Nathan do that? Well, it wasn't because Nathan thought he was better than him. It wasn't because Nathan was like, I just love to judge people. No, it's because Nathan saw a purpose in David's life that would not be fulfilled if the sin stayed hidden. Can I tell you that your community matters? If you don't have a good community around you that will come to you and say, man, I see that God has put purpose and destiny in your life. And if you don't deal with this habit, if you don't take care of this thing, it will actually hold you back from reaching your full potential. You need a good community. But David is praying this because he wants to be brought back into relationship with God. He says, I want to draw back near to him. Here's what the Bible promises in James 4 verse 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. David is drawing near to God. Can I tell you that God is faithful enough to draw near to anyone who draws near to him? If you will draw near to him, if you feel like I just have this deficit of joy in my life, I have this great divide between me and the Lord. If you will just take that step and begin to draw near to him, he will draw near to you. He will pull you in close. Here's what it says in Psalm 16, verse 11. In your presence is fullness of joy. See, joy is the benefit of being a Christian, a follower of Christ. Joy is the product. It is the fruit that is produced in our life when we are in relationship with God. Joy begins when we are in relationship with God. It is found in relationship with him. The second thing you need to know about joy is joy is strengthened through giving. Joy is strengthened through giving. There's this phenomenal story in Nehemiah 8. And I'm not going to read it to you, but I would encourage you to go and read the entire chapter. But in this story, Ezra is reading out the laws of God. And the people begin to weep openly because they realize that there is a great divide between their behavior and the laws or the standard that they should be meeting. And they realize that they actually on their own cannot meet that standard. And so they're weeping, feeling that they are at a deficit or a loss. And Ezra says to them, you don't need to weep in this moment. You actually need to to celebrate because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And he says, because of what God has done for you, you can have joy. You can actually celebrate in this moment. And here's what he's trying to say to him. If you'll change your perspective, if you'll take your perception off of yourself and onto those around you, you will be strengthened spiritually. Here's how it says it in Acts 20, verse 35. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. 
That word blessed, it means happy or joyful. It is more joyful to give than it is to receive. Ezra knew something. He knew that if we turn our eyes onto those around us, that we will be strengthened spiritually and filled with joy. This is why here at Gateway, we want every single person to take their next step and start serving. It's not because it just fills a need for us or takes care of something for us. No, no, no. It's because we know what it does in your lives. We know that it will strengthen you spiritually and it will fill you with joy. We want every single person here at Gateway to go on a mission where they are a journey, where they know God. We want you to have a personal relationship with God. We want you to belong to family, get into a group. You need a good community like David had. We want you to discover your purpose. We want you to know why has God given you or why has he wired you the way he has? Why has he placed you on this earth? I can tell you one thing. Your purpose is to serve God and his people. But how? I don't know. Let's figure that out together. And then we want you to help us build the kingdom. It's why all of our volunteer teams are called Build Team. It's not because we want to build our own ministries, build our own accolades or our own name. It's because we want to advance the kingdom and we want you to fulfill the purpose in it. We want every single person to go on a journey where they build the kingdom. Kingdom. So here's what I can promise you. Never, ever, ever will we stand on this platform and say, hey guys, we have a great need in kids ministry. So we're going to ask every single person if you'll just serve one week in a year in kids ministry. It'll make our kids ministry super strong. So everybody's going to, as you're leaving, we're going to get your information and you're going to serve one week in a year. We'll never do it. You want to know why? Well, because for most of you, that would not be a joy. It would not invoke any joy in your heart at all. And it would not invoke any joy in our children. And we want our children to love coming to church. And if you're serving in children's ministry, they may not like it. So we're never going to ask you to do that. We want you to serve where joy is going to come out. We want you to serve where you find purpose in your life. So if you're great in the parking lot, we want you in the parking lot. If you're great at holding a door, we want you holding a door. We want you to serve where your purpose is. See, we are not here asking everyone to serve to fill a need. We are asking people to serve to fulfill a purpose. We want you to fulfill the purpose that God has placed in your life. So we want you to take your next step. Ezra understood that there was joy that comes when we take our next step and begin serving. There is something of excitement in that moment. I love to give. Christmas time is one of my favorites because I have the opportunity to give gifts to those I love. My kids send me obnoxious amounts of Christmas lists. Even this morning, I woke up to a text message from my daughter that was another Christmas list. I don't know if it's the same as the last five that she sent me. I haven't looked at it, but I know it's about 40 pages long and we're gonna figure it out together, right? So I go through the entire thing because I can usually only afford like one of two things that she puts on there and I pick the thing, I wrap it up, I put it under the Christmas tree, I wake up first thing in the morning. I'm so excited to watch their face as they open this gift. I love giving. I have loved giving since I was a little girl. I don't recommend this, but my parents gave me a credit card when I was a teenager. It was for emergencies and my needs only. I didn't quite know what that meant, so I loved to give. So I would go out to eat with my friends. I would think, man, I would just love to buy everyone's meal today. So I would swipe daddy's credit card. We would buy everyone's meal today. I was giving. My daddy would call me and he would say, um, I know you don't eat this much. What is going on? I said, well, daddy, I wanted to give everybody a meal today. And he would go, oh, baby girl, that's not giving. That's stealing because that ain't your money. I'm like, okay, I didn't know. I just, I had this heart to give. I wanted to give. Why? Because there's such joy when we give. There's such a joy. God knew that there was joy when we give. Can I tell you that in the kingdom, that it was not a sad day when God gave Jesus to us? 
When God sent Jesus to the earth to die on a cross for us, God wasn't in heaven crying that he had to send his one and only son. No, it was a joy for him to give. Why? Because he knew that it would bring you and I back into relationship with him. He understood there was a joy in giving. Now, I already know that in the moment like this, that you may go, oh, well, I know where she's headed. We're gonna talk about giving in church, so obviously she's gonna talk about the tithe. Well, since you talked, brought it up, I thought we would. Here's the thing. That's not giving, that's returning. This is what it actually says in Leviticus 27, verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. See, the tithe belongs to the Lord. If you don't know what a tithe is, it's the first 10% of everything that we make. It belongs to God. So we are not giving the tithe. We are returning the tithe to God. It is his in the first place. If you wanna know if tithing is in the New Testament, well, let me show you what Jesus says in Matthew 23, verse 23. It says, you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. See, tithing is a principle. It is not a law, but it is something that God says that we should do in both the New Testament and the Old Testament. Why? Because he knows that it brings joy. See, tithing is an act of thanksgiving that says I belong to someone. See, I have a provider over my life. I have a king that resides over my life. I belong to someone. And that is the gift in tithing is that we get to say, God, out of thanksgiving, because I am one of your children, because I'm selling celebrating who I belong to out of a worship, out of an act of worship, I get to bring what is already yours. We get to give that moment. And when we bring back our tithe, that is when the doors open up to giving. That's when the opportunity to give opens up because then God says you can bring an offering, something over and above the tithe with the 90% that I have given you. You can bring that now and give in that act. And that is where some joy begins to go in us. We get to have fun when we give. See, giving strengthens our joy. It was never meant to be a thing of drudgery. It was meant to be a thing of joy to say, I belong to someone. Here's what 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Ethan and I, we bring our tithes to the local church, but then we also give over and above our tithe. Why? Not because we work here. I promise you it's not because we work here because we've been doing this for years before we are ever on staff at a church. But here's why. Because we both individually had an encounter with God that forever changed our lives. And in that moment, we decided we will forever bring back what is God. We will bring the tithe. But we give over and above to the local church because we wholeheartedly believe in the local church. This is the place where we both were developed in our gifts and talents. It's the place where we found community. It's the, faith, the place where we actually grew in our walk with God. We were discipled in the local church. We believe wholeheartedly that the local church is an advancement of the kingdom of God. And so we give over and above in this moment. It is a ministry of giving that we get to be a part of. Here's what it says in verse 12 of 2 Corinthians 9. It says, so two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. So here's what you have to understand. When we decide that we are going to strengthen our joy through giving, when we decide we're going to give over and above our tithe, two good things get to happen. 
the needs of believers are met, including ours, because God is our provider, and the kingdom of God is advanced. Because look what it says. It says they turn to God to give them thanks. If you've ever wondered, how do I get people to turn to God? Well, just start giving in ministry. Just start saying, God, I'm going to move. I'm going to advance your kingdom so that you can continue to do a mighty work. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. Just pray about taking your next step. If it's serving, if it's giving, if it's returning what is God, then just pray about taking your next step because your joy is strengthened in that moment. Here's what it says in Matthew 6, verse 21. It says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So let me ask a question. Where is your treasure? Is your treasure in the cares of this world or is it in the God who can take care of it all? Is it in the cares of this world? Well, here's how you know. What is your heart filled with? Is your heart filled with worry and anxiety? Is your heart filled with fear and all the things that come from the cares of this world? Or is it filled with joy? Because if I tell you, wherever you place your treasure there, that's where your heart is going to follow. So place your treasure in something that can sustain your heart. Place your treasure in a place that can hold it all, in a God that loves you enough to be your provider. Your giving will strengthen your joy. The third thing I want to tell you is that joy is developed in prayer. Joy is developed in prayer. Here's what it says in Psalms 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. This psalm that I pulled this verse from is actually a prayer that David is praying. Several of the psalms in David's writing are prayers that he is praying, or they are songs that he is singing. And so here's what you need to understand about this prayer that he's praying, is prayer is simply a conversation with God. And every relationship requires communication to be healthy and strengthened. Even when Ethan was on vocal rest and we were terrible at charades, we were still communicating. We learned that he would type and I would talk. I talked a lot in that season. Well, let's be honest, I talk a lot in every season. And so it wasn't much different, but he couldn't respond as quickly, you know? He had to type it out. But what happened? Our relationship was still strengthened because of our communication. It didn't change if we were communicating. It changed how we were communicating. Any relationship that's going to be healthy or strengthened needs communication, including ours with the Lord. If we are not in open communication with the Lord, how in the world do we think that our relationship with God is going to grow if we never talk to him? If we never actually stop to let him talk to us, we have to be in open communication with him. You might say, well, I don't recognize his voice. Okay, I'm gonna tell you a story and I want you to just take a guess if you think this story is true. You and I, we decide we're gonna go to dinner and we're at the dinner table and my phone rings and it says unknown caller. So I pick up the phone. I say, hello, Ethan's on the other line. He says, hey. I say, who's this? He says, Ethan. I say, Ethan who? Do you think that would happen? No. Why? Because we're in constant communication. And the first time that he said, hey, I know who it is because I know his voice. Can I tell you that the more you talk to God, the more you'll recognize his voice, the more you'll learn his voice in your life. That when he says, hey, you'll know, oh, that's my king. That's my God. He's calling on me. So I understand that prayer can be something that is hard for us. So let me just give us a couple reasons why we don't pray as often as we should. One of the reasons might be complacency. 
we don't think it affects us. We hear about something that's happening on the other side of the world and we don't realize, we don't think it affects us. Maybe it's a law that's being passed. Maybe it's something in a school district that's happening. Maybe it's something with a neighbor down the street and we just don't think it affects us. So why pray about it? Another reason we may not pray as often as we should is because of unbelief. We just don't believe in the power of prayer. We maybe don't say it that way, but let, us, let me put you in a scenario really quick. Most of us think we can get more done with 10 minutes on the internet than we can with 10 minutes in prayer. We get a phone call from the doctor and they give us a diagnosis. What's the first thing we do? We go to our phone. We start Googling all the big words they said. We want to know what the recovery process is. We want to know what all the doctors around the town say. We want to know everything about it, right? And we spend 10 minutes letting the world tell us how we should feel about the diagnosis we received instead of spending 10 minutes with the creator of the universe, the one that designed you and created you, to find what you should do with that diagnosis. We go into a business situation. All of a sudden, we realize, man, I've got to restructure my staff. I've got to fix my budget. I've got to do all these different things. What do we do? We maybe call a leadership guru. We get a life coach. We Google it. We listen to a podcast. I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. They just should not be first. And then all of a sudden, why wouldn't we go? Do you realize there is only one person who actually knows what tomorrow holds? Why wouldn't you ask him? what you should do about the child situation that you're facing or about the business situation or the thing that's going on at school? Why don't you ask the one who actually knows what tomorrow is going to hold? What would happen is if we would turn our unbelief into belief and instead of spending 10 minutes in the world about a situation, we spend 10 minutes in prayer about it. The problem is that we don't understand or we don't believe in the power of prayer. Another reason we may not pray as often as we should is because we're discouraged. There's a discouragement in our heart. And maybe we think, well, I've prayed for something over and over again, and it just hasn't happened. Can I tell you, it is one of the greatest schemes of the enemy to get you to question the faithfulness of God by telling you your prayer in the past was not answered. Can I tell you that he loves you enough to answer your prayer? It may not happen in the way you thought it would or in the time you think it should, but he is faithful to bring to completion anything that he has started. So let me give you a couple of reasons why you should pray. Well, number one, the the sovereignty of God. See, God is the supreme ruler of the universe. It is his sovereignty, which is why we should pray, because he actually has the power to answer our prayers. Did you know that God created you in his image, which means that he created you with a will? Now, I think that is one of the most gracious things that God could have done. Because had I been God, I would not have created you with the choice to love me. You would have just loved me. But he gave you the choice. He actually gave you a will and gave you the option to choose him. And God has a will. You have a will and God has a will. And if you're not careful, your will could actually be the barrier for God's will to happen in your life. If you're unwilling to submit your will to his will, then you actually could halt what he wants to do in and through your life. God has a will and we are the agents or the ones who bring God's will to earth. This is why he tells us to pray, not my will be done, but your will be done on earth. It is why he says, Lord, Lord, let it be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven. This is what he's asking us to do is to bring his will to earth. Elijah, God told Elijah that 
he was going to send rain onto the earth. But what did Elijah have to do? He had to pray for it seven times. Why? Because he was aligning God's desire and God's will into this moment. He was calling down and aligning the two to say, not my will be done, but your will be done. Listen, God's will will be done on earth through our prayers, or it won't be. If we choose not to pray, then we actually are stopping what God wants to do. He, you have a part to play, and he has chosen to partner with you to bring his will to earth. So we have to pray. It is because of the sovereignty of God that we should pray because he has the power to answer our prayers. The second reason that I think we should pray more often is because of the immutability of God. Now, I know all of you used the word immutability about three times a day this past week, but for those of us that didn't, immutability simply means that God cannot change. Malachi 3 verse 6 says, for I am the Lord and I do not change. It means that God cannot change. Oftentimes we misinterpret this though, and we think that this means that God cannot change his mind, so why should we pray? But that's not what this means. It means that God cannot change his character, but he can change his mind. Think about Jonah for a second. These are stories all throughout the Bible where God did change his mind. But let's look at Jonah just for a second. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and tell the people that judgment was coming and their land would be destroyed if they did not repent. Jonah didn't want to go. So Jonah goes the opposite way. And all of a sudden, he ends up in the belly of the well. Nobody understands it. It's okay. God has an encounter with him in the belly of a well. Jonah repents and says, okay, I'll obey. He goes to Nineveh. He tells them, your land's going to be destroyed if you choose not to repent. What did they do? They repented. And God changed his mind about sending judgment on that land. The land was no longer destroyed. Exodus prayed for, I mean, in Exodus, Moses prayed for God to change his mind about the judgment he was going to send on the people, and God changed his mind. Here's what it says in Exodus 32, verse 14. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. See, that word relented is in the Bible 108 times. And 41 of those times, it was actually translated repented. But we have a hard time with that thinking, well, God repented. Why? Because we've defined repenting as turning from sin. But the word repent actually means to change your mind. So God changed his mind about a situation. The reason that we should pray is because we can change God's mind about what is happening. He won't change his character. Let me tell you some things that will never change about God. He will always be compassionate. He will always be forgiving. And he will always be merciful. Because he is full of compassion and mercy, his character will not change, but his mind can. We have a part to play. We need to be praying for God to bring this down, for God's will to come to earth, and for him to change his mind about certain things. We need to keep praying. We have a part to play. What is it that God actually wants to partner with you on to bring his will to earth? What is it? There's a part, a, a type of prayer, so to say. It's called the prayer of intercession. Intercession simply means to um, close the gap or to build the bridge from one thing to another. This is why we would say Jesus is interceding for us because Jesus closed the gap between us and God. He, in essence, built a bridge between us and God. It's why we say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way that we get to God. And so because of that, you and I can now pray prayers of intercession for people. We can close the gap between different things or we can 
build a bridge. We can partner people to God. One of my best friends was going through a hard time. They were trying to get pregnant and she was woken up in the middle of the night one time and she felt like the Lord told her, you will have a baby and this is what you are to name that baby. Several months go by and she all of a sudden got pregnant and we were so excited. We were celebrating and we were in a group together. It's how we became best friends is we actually got in a small group together. She came to Ethan and I's group because she thought it was cool that it was E and E. And then we've been best friends ever since. And so we were in this group together. After our group, we joined another group. And we have this phrase that we say, um, I'm on the kitchen floor. And it means I really need to talk. The reason we got that phrase is because we joined a group. It said dinner group. We like to eat, so we went to the group. We learned on the first night that that meant more of a cooking group, that everybody was supposed to cook and bring a dish that we were all going to eat together. We like to eat, not like to cook. So we were like, we joined the wrong group, but we did it. We stayed in the group the whole semester. And so about four o'clock on the day of our group, one of us would call the other person and be like, I'm on the kitchen floor. What we were saying is we have no food. Everything seems to be falling apart and we're not sure we wanna come to groups night. And the friend would always encourage and say, no, 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 just go through a drive-through. Nobody will notice. And then we'll just eat all together. Just come, make sure you're there. So this one particular day, a couple weeks after she announced that she was pregnant, she calls me and she says, I'm on the kitchen floor. I knew in the moment something was wrong. It wasn't the day of a group, so it couldn't have been about dessert. And so something was wrong. I said, what's up? And she said, well, I just got back from the doctor. I have some internal bleeding. They've told me there's no way I'm gonna keep this baby. I began to cry with her. I didn't understand. I had the same frustration that she had. Why was this happening? And But all I could say is, I don't understand, but I know somebody who can be with us in this moment. So let me just pray. And I just began to pray. I, mean, I said, God, I know you gave us this word and you know the result that we want is for this baby to live. And, but even if we don't get the result, would you just be present in this moment? Would you comfort us? Would you prove yourself to be faithful in this moment? I realized that while I share a story like this, some of us will deal with grief because we've walked through miscarriages. And I've walked through some miscarriages with some of my closest friends, and I know that we don't always get the answer that we want, but I can tell you that we will always get a present God, a God that loves us and comforts us enough. And the story that I'm telling you about my friend, that baby did make it to full term, and it is a healthy child now. A couple months after we prayed that prayer on the phone, she said, I just have to tell you, I called several people before I called you. And every person I called before that would say, I'm so sorry for your loss. And they would begin to help her process the grief that she was facing. And she said, you were the first person that said, I don't understand, but let's pray. And I just want you to understand what happened. That is a prayer of intercession that builds a bridge between our fear and our doubt to our faith. You and I have power in our prayers. We can make a difference through the ability to just communicate to God. Listen, joy is not an emotion. It is a state of being that is the result of our choices. And we have three choices that we can make today. We can make a choice to be in relationship with the God who gives us joy. We can make a choice to take to be strengthened in our giving, whether that is through serving or giving to God over and above our tithe. We can be strengthened in our joy by the choices that we make, and we can be encouraged. We can have our, our joy developed through constant communication with God. 
So here's what I know. Some of us have a big gap between us and the joy that we know we should feel. Can I ask you, what choices do you need to make today to redeem or restore that joy in your life? Because joy is the result of the choices, and you can stand in joy despite your circumstances. I want to pray over us today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I know that in a conversation like this, that some of us are still holding grief and joy. I know that it can be difficult for us as we're processing these different things. And I want you to know that there's a God who will stand in that gap with you. A God that will comfort you and hold you and care for you in the middle of your trial and in your middle of your hardship. In every service, we like to ask a question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? And I wanna encourage you right now to just take a moment and say, God, what are you saying to me through this message? Whether you're in Magnolia, online, or here in the room, I want you to just ask, God, what are you saying to me? What choices do I need to make today to grow in my joy with you? In just a moment, we're gonna go back into a moment of response. Our prayer team's gonna come forward. And if you need prayer for anything at all, maybe life's blindsided you, maybe you're going through hardship, maybe it's something totally unrelated to this message. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would love to pray for you. You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come for prayer. But our prayer team's gonna come forward. And if you're not coming for prayer, then we're all gonna worship together and we're gonna respond to God. It says that I burst out with songs of thanksgiving for all he's done for me. And so God, right now I ask, that you would comfort those that are grieving. Lord, I ask that we would draw near to you and as we do, that you would draw near to us. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to take the next step, to be strengthened in our joy, whether it's through starting to serve or whether it's through returning what is yours or taking another step in our giving journey. Lord, I ask that you would give us the courage to do that. And Lord, I pray for those that have yet to start communicating with you, just having a conversation with you. Lord, I ask that you would begin to encourage them, that they would begin to recognize your voice, that they would just start talking to you. And Lord, that this would be one of the seasons where we grow in our communication with you. Lord, I ask that you would strengthen our joy, that you would develop it as we are found in relationship with you. Or would you be with your people today in Jesus' name? Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.